where I would get angry and words would come come out of my mouth. And once they leave your mouth, boy, there's no taking them back because you can't. During our counseling, they had some uh, crazy statistic that if you do one harmful act, it takes like 20 good acts to to try to soothe the one bad one. And it's still not for, it's not going to be forgotten. Welcome to the Emotional Compass. This is Bodhi. And Abiel. We are doing this isolated remotely, so I hope the voice quality is as good as when we're in person. We'll see how it goes. Right, Abiel? Yeah, I think if you struggle to understand me without the phone, this might make it a little challenging, but we'll survive. We will. And that said, you know, we're going to talk about anger today. And uh, for me, this is a subject that's very close to my heart because I grew up with a very angry parent. My mother was a very, very angry person. Actually, most of my family on my mother's side, they're just very angry individuals And they all blame it on my grandfather, who was apparently a very angry person. Um, It's it's interesting, right? Like how we, these traits are passed down generationally and we subconsciously or unconsciously keep carrying out those patterns without actually looking at it and subverting those patterns or putting an end to those patterns so that we don't carry out or transfer them future for for the future generations. And my personal journey has been to look at my own patterns, how I acquired them and why I act the way I act, especially when it came to anger. I was a very, very angry kid growing up and a very angry young adult, I would say until I started to understand the mechanics of this. And um, yeah, I mean, also grew up with a very angry uncle. I mean, I mean, that's me. I mean, I can keep talking about my personal experience. What has been your experience of you? Well, first of all, if people don't know you, they'll realize that in my opinion, from the last five years that I've known you, I've, I've yet to see an angry side of you. You've always been jovial and cordial and polite. So when you first were mentioning all these things to me, it came to a big shock because you're a very nice, compassionate, thoughtful person that I would never have guessed that that was your your teenager years or that your family was that way. So kudos to you, brother, for your your journey. You've, uh, You've definitely changed a lot. Well, thank you. I I really appreciate that. And that, I guess, affirms my belief that the work that I have been doing on myself is actually showing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. I had a different relationship with anger, I guess. Um, From my mother's side, they were a little bit more reserved. So they were the type that uh, would, would hold their anger. So they would hold it and hold it, and all of a sudden it would it would come out, 
And then from my dad's side, it was more expressive. So you mm-hmm. would get more of it up front, but then it would dissipate. So it's funny because I think from my brother's side growing up, he had that tendency of holding the anger. And then from my side, I had more of the expressive anger. But I don't even know if one was better than the other. But with my knowledge now, it's always better not to suppress it. It's also not healthy to express it. But what I've learned is that the most efficient way to deal with anger is to let it go and understand its process and what is it asking you to do out of yourself. And for you viewers out there, Bodhi downloaded this this amazing article on how to understand anger and going through it this week was really refreshing. Um, So do you want to talk a little bit of that article that you shared with me? Yeah, and actually, before we get there, I think you touched upon something very interesting about, uh, you know, expressing anger, and uh, the other one was basically suppressing uh, suppressing anger. And um, there's the, the, some somewhere I read about this good analogy where if you express it, basically, you're giving yourself, you're giving anger the the steering wheel, like here, you be in the driver's seat and you drive. And that's never a good thing because when you're angry, man, you can hurt a lot of people. And so you don't want to want anger to be in the driver's seat when you're angry. And neither do you want to stuff anger in the back seat, you know, in the trunk, because eventually when you open that trunk up, whoa, you know, that <laughs> lid's going to come flying open and boy, it's going to hurt a lot of people. And it's funny, like throughout my life, I've done both things, right? I have been someone that expresses anger and I have been someone that suppresses anger as well. And I've realized neither of those things are a solution because anger is always, always telling us it's a, it's an emotion, right? It's not a fact. It's just an emotion. I had also read somewhere where it said, well, explain your anger. Don't express it. Nice. And, and for a long time, that made a lot of sense. But I feel like there's a lot more to it than just explaining your anger. So I, I think the, I want to start by saying, why do we get angry, right? Because I think the anger comes from this caveman brain that we have, where back in the day, we experienced something that was maybe an injustice or we felt threatened or we felt violated and the anger came about because we wanted to do something about it. Now, this is always, you know, it goes back to that threat response where we talk about it when it relates to fear, when it relates to anger, so many other emotions that are related to this sympathetic nervous system, this threat response And what happens, we're again in that fight or flight mode. So if you're someone that expresses anger, you want to fight. If you're someone that suppresses anger, well, you want to flee or you just want to freeze up, right? Yeah. I think for me, anger also damps my cognitive functions, Um, just like stress, because the brain itself gets you ready to survive logic 
when you're out in the wild is not going to help you survive. It's more like you run or you fight or you hide. But anger is not the best solution. And when I was taking counseling, I took a marriage counseling before I got married. They were saying how if you get upset and you think you're not upset anymore, you still got about 20 to 30 minutes left before it all subsides. So there's <laughs> there's this curve that happens when you're angry that even when you think you're not angry, you're still not thinking cognitively. So yeah. it you know, it's very important to understand like yourself with that anger. And we all have patterns as well. Oh, absolutely. Definitely. And I mean, this is just an aside. It happened to me recently. I had a disagreement with a coworker and he posted something, a Slack message, which was like this couple of paragraphs. And immediately after I read it, I was angry. I was livid. It was like, how dare he say these things? And the first thing I told myself, Bodhi, do not respond. Do not respond. Sleep on this. You come back next day, and that's when you can respond. So I had a nice night. I woke up in the morning. I meditated. I exercised. I came back to the same message. And my response, like my react, firstly, my reaction after I reread that message was not the same. I was, I was more compassionate towards this person. And my response was more compassionate too. So definitely, like, if you're some, somebody that is quick to react, especially is quick to anger, maybe, you know, take a distance from that anger. And, and we'll come to how to manage your anger, right? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I just wanted to give an aside because of what you mentioned there. I, I had an interesting relationship with anger. So, for me, it was easy to get angry with my family. But it was really hard for me to get angry with strangers. Mm. So I, I felt like so shy, like I wanted to give or set such a good impression that I would suppress my anger towards strangers or friends outside of my my really close circle. And the problem with that was that then I would be charged up. I would have that anger in the trunk. So when I would get home and I would open my doors and my trunk, all this crap would come flying out and would dirty everybody in my in my immediate circle and then i realized that i needed to be more expressive with my emotions of anger and discontent with the people that were causing it in the workplace in a constructive way so that i wouldn't stuff it and bring it back home so that was a really hard, hard lesson for me to learn and it was very tricky at first because then I would let out the beast a little too early without giving it time to, to ease its way into it. Yeah. And, and I, I totally agree with that because I have been in situations where work has stressed me out and uh, people at work, because I'm stressed out, have made me angry and because I've not reacted to that anger or managed it somehow, I come and take it out on people that are at home. And that's never a good thing because, you know, especially people with family, you come home and you take it out on your spouse. The spouse take it out, takes it out on the child. The child, if they can't, you know, 
take it out on something or someone, they have to internalize it and that causes trauma. So it's just like a chain reaction that never, ever ends well. Absolutely doesn't. And, and you know, they say this even when you're out and about, right? Like people, I've seen people having outbursts, especially in this time with this virus, because everyone's just on pins and needles. I see them lashing out at store clerks or the cashier or the person, you know, behind the coffee counter. What do you think that person's going to do? They're going to go and take it out on someone else. So it's never, ever a good thing to, you know, spray your anger or, you know, express your anger in such a negative and vile manner. I, I think I read somewhere where when he, whenever you express your angle, anger, it, you are, you're literally, um, what was it? It was so good. It was basically like you're soiling, like you're dirtying other people that you're, you're putting your crap on other people when it's yours to deal with. Yeah. So instead of you dealing with it at home or dealing with it, with the situations at hand that have caused the anger, by you doing that to others, you are propagating it. You're instead of spreading love, you're closing it off. That's true. Yeah. I mean, I've experienced this with an uncle of mine who was always quick to anger. And uh, there's, there's a whole terminology behind people that kind of get addicted to anger. And uh, I, I forget what it's called, but you know, there are people that actually get addicted to this behavior because they feel that they're in a state of power over the other people because they are angry. But actually, they just end up becoming, you know, victims of their own anger because they end up distancing people, people that are, you know, that love and care about you end up tiptoeing around you and they don't want to speak their truth. They don't want to be honest. They don't want to be there for you because you don't know how to manage your emotions. So, yeah, I mean, outbursts are never, ever a good thing. And neither is stuffing, stuffing that anger, right? I mean, I think you and I both have been people that have suppressed our anger. And I, I personally, I was actually reading a lot about codependency because that's definitely one of my traits. I realized that, especially when I'm in a new relationship, I suppress my anger so much that eventually it comes out. And I realized this happened in my ex-marriage where I stuffed my anger for years. And when it finally started coming out, I had no idea what I was angry about anymore because it would just come out in the most inopportune times. And I was so confused. I was like, why am I angry at this? I don't get it. I've been in that boat. It took a long road for me to be truly honest and knowing, knowing when to speak and when not to speak. I'm still learning those lessons. Those are, if you get to master those, you get to, you know, hold happiness hand a lot longer. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, talking about like the, the physiological aspects of anger, right? It happens at lightning speed. Like the minute you experience something that wants to invoke anger, your prefrontal cortex, which is like this wise part of your brain, that is no longer in control. <laughs> it's like your amygdala is lighting up and it's 
sending signals to, you know, release cortisol. And it's like decreasing that oxytocin, that chemical that makes you feel good. And suddenly you're ready to fight or maybe even flee or freeze. And it happens really in split seconds. <laughs> but the question is, what do you do about it? You can learn to manage your anger. I mean, I think we're both proofs of that. I feel like it's been a really long journey. Sometimes it's been a not so great journey because you, you have been so conditioned to act out or express that anger that to distance away and walk away from it just kind of feels unnatural sometimes. I know it did in the beginning for me. I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to express this. How will this other person know that I'm angry? But they don't need to know that I'm angry. They just need to know that I may have crossed a boundary or, you know, or they may have crossed a boundary or they may have, you know, violated something that I was not happy about. And it can be explained. It does not have to be expressed as if I'm like, taking a gun out at shooting at them, right? Yeah. I mean, because that's what an outburst really is. You're like literally harming that person. I almost see it like there's times when, and this might be vulgar, but there are times where you need to throw up and you could hold it for a little bit till you can make it to the bathroom. And a lot of the times expressing your anger in front of everybody is like throwing up in the middle of your spread when, mm. you, when you are in the middle of, of a banquet or or a wedding, right? Right. Work is a sacred place as well. And anger is throwing up all over your work. A lot of the times going for a little bit of a walk or expressing to your coworker, right now I'm not in the best frame of mind to discuss this. I'm going to need some time before I could talk about it. You know, like expressing how you're feeling at the time, but not acting on it. Like, um, I forget which, which person, I think Jesus told Peter is like anger, but don't sin. Meaning, yeah, you could get angry, but don't do not separate yourself from source because you're angry. But there's where your connection with your meditation comes in handy because meditation is like where the rubber meets the road. Meditation is the place where you're quiet and your mind goes nuts with a billion ideas that did I check the stove? Um, Did I pay for the electrical bill this week? And in the meantime, you're sitting quietly observing how your mind is just going away so that when you are in that situation where your your fight or flight gets triggered and the cortisol spike goes in and your blood pressure goes up, you could be present to observe it, to realize you're going through it and to having that choice. Because we're here living this life to exercise our free will. And when anger takes over, you are no longer having free will. You're, under, you're, you're hostage. You're hostage to anger. And we're not telling you to not get angry. We're telling you do not be hostage to anger. Yeah. Don't be a victim of your own anger. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this is something that I have been practicing and I read somewhere. It's like, and, and, you know, these are like techniques that are outlined by David R. Hawkins at, as well, where he says to label your emotions. So instead of saying, I'm angry, say, I'm feeling angry. And when you feel like I'm feeling angry, then 
as soon as you have that realization or that awareness that you're feeling the anger, that emotion, you can start to take deep breaths. And the minute you start taking deep breaths, that parasympathetic nervous system kicks in, which is that calming nervous system. You know, when you're in that meditative state, that's your parasympathetic nervous system that calms you down. And you can start to have this compassionate dialogue with yourself saying like, hey, how can I be kinder to, to myself? You know, how can I change this around this narrative that I have that this person hurt me or this person did this to me? I'm being a victim of this situation, you know, start to turn that around because you can. Yeah. Also, one of the things that is very disruptive is whenever you get angry, your heart pattern, because there's this underlying flow that happens with all your heartbeats, that gets disrupted. And there's, there's tools out there that measure the frequency of your heart rate flow. And there's a really cool website called Heart Math that shows you how all these different emotions could affect the rhythm of flow in your life. And whenever, whenever you're out of sync, that's where stress happens. That's where disease happens. That's where cognitive thinking drops. So it's very important to realize that you could have all these emotions, but allowing them to flow and to ride out, which we're going to talk about later on methods to deal with it, will help you to have a lot a more fulfilling life experience. We once again, we want not to be hostage to, to fear. Yeah. You mean to anger? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it is one of those emotions that we experience. And I have found in certain aspects, anger is actually my friend that it can, if I can learn to channel that anger, it can fuel creativity I remember when I was clinically depressed, I, I went from apathetic, like being completely apathetic, to then getting angry at myself because I could not do the things that I really wanted to do or I was feeling stuck. So I was like, great, I'm going to use this anger as a fuel to start making myself move and start achieving the things that I really wanted to and not be stuck in this loop that I had been stuck in. And it, it took a while to understand the mechanics of it, but it can certainly be done because apathy is not a great emotion because that will get you into hopelessness very quickly. But if you do get angry at whatever, it can be another situation, another person or at yourself, but instead of lashing out, you can turn within and use that anger as a fuel. Amen. Anger's anger has been a tool. Is anger is definitely a tool, and just like a knife that could be used to create a beautiful meal, if handled incorrectly or recklessly, could create a lot of damage on yourself and on others. Yeah. Definitely. I would like to talk about anger styles. I thought that that was really interesting. And maybe you could identify yourself with one if you're listening. Um, aggressive, 
anger is externalized, turned loose. There's also the passive aggressive, which is outwardly agreeable, but showing the anger through indirect actions or sabotage. We also mm-hmm. got the passive, which is anger internalized or locked up. And then we have assertive. Anger is appropriately managed and communicated if necessarily. So I, I feel like we all fall into one of these depending on the cir- circumstance or situation. Um, I know that sarcasm is used readily also to express anger, which is the passive aggressive one. I've d- Absolutely. You know, I, I've done a lot of passive aggressive stuff and I think that that was learned early on because of fear of expressing the anger. Um, and that could be very destructive too. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And as you said, you know, I don't think it's, we express one of these styles all the time, or maybe it's some, some styles are more dominant than the others, but I've, I believe like I have gone through the spe- spectrum and depending on the situation, been one of these styles or sometimes two of these styles and, um, I, I de- I've definitely been able to identify with all of them, you know, like, yeah, I, in this situation, I was this and the other situation I was passive. Um, but I, I guess the, the whole purpose of revealing these styles, and this is a PDF that we're going to link in the show notes. So you can, you know, you can review them and read through them as well. It's, it's basically to kind of, become more mindful on how you react to situations, especially when you get angry. And instead of resorting to any of these styles, just learn how to manage your anger. And honestly, it's going to serve you in the long run because it's not going to hurt other people. It's not going to hurt you. And it's going to make you a more level-headed person. And if you can learn to become compassionate to yourself when you're angry, you're going to realize that overall you just become a lot more compassionate person. Yeah. Very much so. That's, that's the key goal here is to make compassionate, loving humans. Fear. I mean, love over fear any day. Yeah. Yeah. Humor is a very good way to deal with anger. I felt it's almost like whenever you're angry, you almost don't want to laugh. (laughs) (laughs) it's like i'm angry leave me alone that's true that's very true yeah also setting up appropriate limits and boundaries a lot of the times i think you were telling me about um, a situation where your relative wasn't setting his boundaries and then he would get angry when people would be crossing them and that's really important is to be assertive and set clear guidelines on hey you can't go beyond this or this is as far as you could take this and but self-respect is very important so that you don't have to jump into anger absolutely yeah boundaries are so important that's been my huge lesson in these last couple of years especially in relationships when you don't set those boundaries and they're indivisible and people cross those boundaries and suddenly you're angry the other person has no clue why you got angry But if you are assertive of your boundaries and the other person knows not to cross them and, you know, maybe unknowingly they did, 
and you get angry, at least now they know and they're privy to why they're pushing your buttons. Yeah. And if they're not a you know, jerk, they will learn how to not do that. I mean, you know, if they're a jerk and they're doing that knowingly, then there's definitely something really wrong in this relationship. For sure. The other one is the effective reduction of stress and stress management. If you're a stressed up, stressed out individual and you're up in a ball, like we all have been stuck at home with, you know, the this coronavirus, our stress levels are through the roof. And if we're not out there managing that stress, either through exercise or creative writing or doing your favorite, you know, jog, run, even art, then that itself could then be fueling up that anger. Oh, absolutely. I know I'm not a runner, but I've started running in these times and it has helped me tremendously. Like yesterday, I was, I finished my work day and I was so stressed out. I just put on my running shoes and just got out there because it's like, otherwise I'm just going to be hating myself after this. <laughs> the other one that we are uh, dealing with right now as we speak is emotional and psychological healing. Our, our ability to forgive and let go, which is something that we have expressed in previous podcasts on forgiveness and judgment. All those little tools are also very important in order for us to have ways to handle ourselves and to become more whole so that we could address anger in a more productive and creative way. Absolutely. I totally wholeheartedly agree with that. Yeah. Letting go is such an important tool because it can help you let go of anger, of fear, of uncertainty, of depression, of resentment, all these emotions that, you know, dominate us on a day-to-day basis. And the more and more we let go of it and the more we get to the center, you know, of course, you're not going to be happy and joyful all the time. And nobody's suggesting that you should be. Yeah. But you should not predominantly be angry, resentful, fearful either most of the time. So there has to be a balance. I was, and, I'm sorry. No, I mean, that's, that's, that's the goal, right? Yeah. Coming into harmony with ourselves. One of the analogies I heard, I was listening to an interview last night with um, a lady that teaches A Course in Miracles, and she was talking about coming to the self, and she did. Uh, she expressed a beautiful uh, analogy, and she said, you know, a woman, when she goes into motherhood, she starts, you know, putting all her focus and all her intent into shall rearing. And did I say that correctly? I'm not sure. But but basically, a mother gets so lost in the process of being a mother that for her, becoming a woman is absurd because she already is a woman. So that's the same analogy she, she expressed. It's like when we're coming back to center, when we're comp- coming to being whole, it's like a mother becoming coming back to being a woman. It's not something you have to be or become. It's something that you realize. And that's coming to center. Wow. Yeah, that's beautifully put. I like that. She's awesome. And then the other thing is don't take things too personal. And whenever situations come, don't think it's about you and start thinking about how can I find a solution for this problem? Let me look at solving this instead of being attacked. And I think... 
that's something you do really well at work. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's interesting that you say that because it reminds me of the four agreements by, uh, Don Miguel, Miguel Ruiz. Yeah. Don Miguel Ruiz. And this is, this is one of the agreements that mm-hmm. you don't take things personally. Um, and be impeccable with your word. And so especially when you get angry, watch what you're trying to say, because like you said, you know, you're going to throw up on the other person if you don't manage your anger and you're going to say things that you're definitely going to regret. I know I've done this in my past relationship where I would get angry and words would come come out of my mouth. And once they leave your mouth, boy, Oh boy. That's it. That's it. <laughs> There's uh, no taking them back because you can't. Yeah. So. It's, it's, it, there, <laughs> during our counseling, they had some uh, crazy statistic that if you do one harmful act, it takes like 20 good acts to, to try to soothe the one bad one. And it's still not, for, it's not going to be forgotten. It's not going to be forgotten. Yeah. Because we always, store and file those negative uh, memories for some reason, like, you know, your access to those negative memories is much easier and much stronger than the positive ones. Like if I look back at my past relationships, especially the ones that failed, I remember the bad stuff more than I remember the good stuff, you know? Yeah. I've heard that the reason being is because you're wired to survive and not to thrive. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This damn monkey caveman brain that we have, <laughs> you know, and, and that's the whole purpose of the emotional compass is so that we can rewire our brains to be happier so that we can thrive in this modern age, because we don't need to be, we don't need to be stuck in that programming of our caveman brain. We need to rewire it so that we can thrive once again. For sure. It is crazy, but scientists are starting to figure out that our DNA encapsulates all of our emotional patterns before we're even born. And those are passed on from our generations. Like my parents, parents, parents might've put all that into their genome to transfer it to their offspring. And it's my job with my free will to look at my patterns, to look at the things that are not serving me and humbly and with a lot of patience work on them so that I could then be my best self to serve the world. Wow. Absolutely. I I remember when I was a teenager or even a young adult well into my 20s and I experienced all this anger there were times where I could not believe where it was coming from. I mean, I, it's not that I couldn't believe. I just couldn't understand where it was coming from because I used to get so angry and so worked up. And it wasn't until I made a decision that this is no longer a pattern that's serving me and I want to do something about it. Was I able or was I even motivated to do something about it? That's when I started reading about emotions and understanding them and where it comes from and paying a lot more attention to the way I react and respond to situations. Because most of life is not what's happening to you. 
it's how you're reacting to what's happening to you. Amen. I love that. Um, do we have time to go over some of the myths about anger? Um, sure. So one of the funny ones is time heals all wounds. Oh, yeah. I love that one. <laughs> it's like BS. <laughs> Unless they're resolved, they will fester for sure. I, I've, people have memories that are incredible. So time does not heal all wounds. Deal with your emotions, people. Also, yeah. ignore it and it will go away. Are you kidding me? <laughs> never does. It never goes away because you file it away for another day. Especially women. Oh, women remember everything. Everything. Let it out and you will feel better. <laughs> Momentarily, sure. You'll feel great. You'll feel guilty because you let it all out. That's just been me. <laughs> <laughs> you might destroy relationships. You might lose jobs. You yes. might be put into jail and commit an act that you might regret for the rest of your life. So letting it out, not a healthy way to deal with it. Um, how about I'm not angry. Others will walk. If I'm not angry, others will walk all over me. Yeah, this this goes back to setting boundaries. If you don't learn to set boundaries, people will walk all over you. So anger is not really serving you in this case. Yeah, I really it really uh, makes me feel sad for the people that are like, I can't help it. I'm just an angry person. Yeah, this is my uncle, even my mother. You know, she used to be a very angry person and that was their excuse. That's not an excuse. Yeah. Or it's a terrible or, excuse. Or not even taking credit for your angle. It's not other people. It's other people in situations that make me angry. You know, that's just the a, a cop out. It's not taking responsibility for how you're feeling. You're you're not empowered by your own emotions. Now you're like a, a, a ship in the middle of the ocean, allowing the wind to take you wherever it wants to. Yeah, there's an old joke that says, uh, anger, my anger management classes are pissing me off. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. <laughs> so on, on that note, I really hope that this episode on anger has served you. Uh, we would love to hear your feedback on how your relationship with anger has been. If you want to share stories with us. And, um, you know, maybe some things that we haven't covered and maybe we can cover it in another podcast because it's, it's a pretty vast topic. And there are definitely like, you know, things like chronic anger that we haven't covered um, and, you know, intermittent explosive anger. There's just like different kinds of anger. Of course, we haven't gone into all of that. But um, and as we always say, you know, uh, this is a podcast that we're doing out of love. So please share this episode with as many people that you can, especially the ones that are in your life that are very angry people. Maybe this will shed some light and help them deal and manage their anger, manage their anger, you know. Or people that need to get angry, that get stepped all over themselves. <laughs> That's very true. Very, very true. So this is Abiel and Bodhi, and uh, this is the Emotional Compass. So rate, review, subscribe, and uh, share the love. <laughs>